All right, well, let's shout joy together by opening up our Bibles to Philippians. Philippians, as we're continuing our journey in the book of Philippians, after walking through the book of Acts for about a year and a half uh, this past week, if you didn't join us, we had a great crowd that came out here on Thursday night, and my dad kind of did a, like, one hour, it was unbelievable, Josiah, like, a one-hour recap of Uh, pretty much Paul's life from growing up in Tarsus all the way through to his eventual death. Um, And and so that's the journey that we've been on. I want you to know, because some of y'all have asked, uh, we are working to kind of uh, put the recording, we record it that night, and uh, we're going to make that available to you by way of podcasts and stuff. But it's an unbelievable summary of the journeys of Paul. And on those journeys of Paul, we learned as we walked through the book of Acts together that Paul came into a place called Philippi, right? Philippi. And so um, as we kind of closed out Acts quickly, I felt the Lord leading us into this letter to the Philippians because I just love it. One of the things I love mostly about it, this is why we call this series Joy Ride, is because Paul is writing this letter from jail, basically. And I don't know about y'all, I want to learn from people who in jail can still shout joy unto the Lord. I, I, I know that maybe you've probably gone through some things in life or you've gone through some ups, through some downs. Um, man, we're going to learn a lot. In, in life, funny, how, you know, you have a great day one day and not so great day the next. And, and we can find our joy, our root, our foundation in the Lord. And so um, I'm so thankful for this journey so far. We kicked off week one with He Unites. Everybody say, He Unites. Unites. Come on, y'all got to say it loud and proud. He Unites. Unites. And then last week, our movement youth leader, Josh Stevens, preached God's word. Aren't y'all thankful for Josh and his leadership? And he does such a great job. He preached this message. He advances. Everybody say, he advances. advances. All right. This week, he delivers. Say that loud with me. He delivers. delivers. Come on, one more time. He delivers. delivers. Anybody need a deliverance right now? (laughs) Anybody need for for God to show up right now in your life, right? Um, Maybe it's, it's just like, hey, man, if once in my life the barista could get my coffee order right. Uh, You know, we have first world problems, deliverance, prayers all the time. Lord, would you make sure there's no traffic on the way to work? Because I can't seem to get up early enough to be at work on time, right? Uh, There's first world. Hey, listen, as Paul's praying this, don't forget, under house arrest. And he starts to pray and remind himself that he delivers, that Jesus Christ is not only there for him today, but forever and always. And as I shared with you through that powerful baptism that we celebrated today, Jesus came, he lived, he died, he defeated sin, death, and hell. And God's word's very clear. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone means everyone. And so no matter what you're facing right now, no matter if you've come in and you're giving church a try for the first time, you're worshiping with us online right now and you're just kind of checking us out from a distance and you're like, no way, Pastor Rob. There's no way God could save me. He doesn't know what I've gone through. There's no way he could overcome the things that I've done in my life. I want you to know that your sin might be great, 
Raise your hand if you're a sinner in the house. Anybody sinner in the house? Your sin might be great. Your failures might be tough. Your backgrounds might have brought you down. But as great as even the enemy is in his work in your life, our God is greater. And so anyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered, will be saved. Amen? I ain't even really started preaching yet, so let's get into this. He delivers. Look in Philippians chapter 1, verse 18 and 20. God's word says this as Paul continues to write this letter to the church that he loves so much. Yes, I will rejoice. Remember, we're practicing some joy in this series. All right, everybody put on your cheesy smile right now. I need to see some smiles. Pittsburgh needs some help with this. Sometimes I see people, I'm like, man, are you that miserable? Like, come on, let's smile, let's practice smiling, right? Do, do y'all, have y'all seen the weather this week in Pittsburgh? Sunny. <laughs> Sunny. One of my neighbors told me, he was like, hey, Rob, you know this whole global warming thing, whether or not you believe it or not? But every city, because of quote unquote global warming, is getting the opposite of what they normally get in terms of weather. That's good news for Pittsburgh. <laughs> we might not have snow at all. We might just have sunshine. I just jinxed it. I just jinxed it. Y'all are going to be so mad at me next week when we come here and there's snow outside. No, but this whole next week, sunny. So everybody smile. All right, let's say that first line again. Ready? Smiling. Yes, and I will rejoice. One more time. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers, the Apostle Paul continues, and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will, isn't that a great promise? It's not like this, I hope what happens, I don't know what's gonna happen. No, this will turn out for my deliverance. Everybody say deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Every person in this world is in need of deliverance, whether they're aware of it or not. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because of that sin, we're separated from God and in need of salvation. And I'm so thankful for the ultimate deliverance that God has provided through his son, Jesus Christ. Through his death, burial, and resurrection, we have deliverance. And that salvation deliverance is important. But any of y'all thankful? Believers in the house, maybe you want to give Jesus a shout of praise that, yes, he saves us, but he also shows up in many different ways in our lives to deliver us. Anybody been set free from sin? Anybody been kind of set free from hard times? Anybody been healed? Anybody been released? See, God is the God of deliverance. And from Genesis to Revelation, we find God delivering his people 
for his glory. You see, as Paul is in a jail cell and he's kind of sitting there and he's penning this letter to the church in Philippi, I hate to tell you, but when he's thinking about deliverance here, he's not necessarily thinking about being delivered from chains. He's not asking the Lord specifically for a physical deliverance. What he's ultimately praying for is the deliverance, the spiritual deliverance that God offers to all that's far greater than anything in this world. Aren't you thankful to know that when God is for you, who can be against you? When God is with you, he'll forever be with you. And I'm so thankful that, yes, on this side of heaven, there might be battles lost and there might be struggles and there might be ups and there might be downs. I know that even if, remember, what was the ultimate deliverance that Paul had in his life? What did we learn from my dad? He was beheaded for Jesus. So be careful with this text. Oh, Pastor Rob's telling us to pray for deliverance, which means I should be healthy and wealthy and prosperous. No, Paul's like, this is going to turn out for my deliverance, and God answered the prayer by Paul being beheaded for Jesus. But when Jesus saved Paul's life, and ultimately when Paul died upon that moment being beheaded, Paul was instantaneously delivered into the presence of God. You see, he delivers. He delivers. I, I want to look at some of the reflections of this deliverance, Paul's reflections on his deliverance. Because this isn't something like, God's already stepped in at this point in time. Remember, this is the back end of Paul's life. And, and I'm sure as Paul's reflecting on some things right here, he's already thanking the Lord. I don't know if y'all remember the story of Philippi, but Paul basically had to get out of town. There were some people that were mad that he came into Philippi to preach Jesus. You see, God delivered. And, and so I, I just want to kind of walk through some reflections and I want to encourage you. We have these connect cards on every seat and hopefully you find a pen close by on the back. We've got some places here for you to take notes, um, take notes in church. If nothing else, it makes you look holier than your neighbor that you're sitting next to. And that's the point of church for you to look holy and spiritual at church. And so take some notes. But I also love taking notes because even believe it or not, I'm the one preaching. I'm going to forget this on Monday. And I need to be reminded of things. So let's dive in and let's make sure we dive into our small groups and, and, and in our V groups together. But write these points down. First of all, we consider this, the recognition uh, in his deliverance. The recognition in his deliverance. Look at verse 18 and verse 19. We're kind of backtracking to what Josh preached about last week about he, he advances. But check out verse 18. He says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. And now we're catching up to this week. Yes, and I will rejoice. And then he says this, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Once again, just to state the foundational obvious as Paul's reflecting in his deliverance here, we can't guarantee much, 
but we can guarantee Jesus forever. And there's this recognition as Paul is reflecting on all that Christ has done is that Christ has been proclaimed in my life and what Jesus Christ has done for me, he's saying to the church at Philippi, he can do the same for you. How many of y'all have ever received something from the Lord and forgotten to thank the Lord for it? <laughs> There's nothing worse as a daddy giving Christmas presents away, right? Give that child that Christmas present and then they just run off. Hey, how about a little hug or something, you know? God is pouring out so many blessings of deliverance over our lives right now. And listen, one of the purposes of you receiving any sort of deliverance is to give him praise. Right out the gate, the recognition in his deliverance is, I didn't do this. Church of Philippi, you didn't do this. Nobody in the world did this. Jesus did this. Christ is proclaimed. But number two, the resource of his deliverance, Paul reflects on. The resource of his deliverance. I love verse 19. There's two very important ways in which God brings about deliverance in and through us by his gospel. Verse 19, it says, For I know that through your prayers, everybody say prayers, and the help of the Spirit, everybody say Spirit, of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Now hear me out. In Christ, we have enough. In Christ, we absolutely 100% have enough. He is all that you need. But nowhere in scripture does God ever guide us to walk with Jesus alone. I get it. Some people I come across like, man, this Jesus thing, it's about Jesus and me. I can't find that in scripture anywhere. Throughout scripture, I don't find Jesus and me, I find Jesus and we. That's what I find. And Paul here is saying, hey, yes, all I've needed, for I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. But every step of the way, one of the ways in which God has brought about deliverance in my life is two specific things. What does it say right there in the text? Number one, the prayers of the saints. Prayers where the action is, John Wesley says. The prayers of the saints. Derek and Emily, with that sweet little Gibson over there, the greatest gift you can give to that baby girl is your prayers. That's the greatest way you fight whatever battles are coming her way. The prayers of the saints. Paul here says, thank you, Lord, that as I went from town to town, you raised up a people who not only loved you, but loved me in their prayers. Mama's probably watching right now. Mama, thank you for your prayers. Friend, thank you for your prayers. Man, I, I pray one of the things that our church would truly become is a church of prayer. I hope I would get annoyed by hearing you say, how can I pray for you? 
And if we ask people that question, that we'd be true about it and that we would spend time in it. V-group leaders in the house, don't y'all love your V-group leaders? Aren't you thankful for our V-group leaders? Hey, hey, this week, spend some time in prayer. Husband and wife, spend some time in prayer. And you don't have to, let's all bow and put on some organ music and have a time of prayer. You can pray as you go. I pray a lot with my eyes open in traffic. Right? But, but let's pray. Man, this is one of the things that Paul's reflecting on. One of the reasons why I can know that I'll be delivered is through the prayers of the saints. But the prayers unleash the second thing, the power of the Spirit. The power of the Spirit. Paul here reflects, right, that through your prayers, church in Philippi, but also the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. The power of the Spirit. God's prayers unleash God's power. As you pray for me, do you know what I want you to pray for me about as I stand up to preach? That as I pray, God's Spirit would empower. Rob Wilton's got nothing for you today. I can't offer you anything. Just ask Annabeth, she'll tell you. I'm as slim shady as anybody else. What you guys need is the spirit of God. He's the one that changes the world. Aren't y'all thankful that as we pray, there's some promises about the spirit? Do you know that in Romans eight, anybody willing to say that sometimes you don't know what to pray for? Anybody? Like maybe there's something in your life that's so overwhelming, you're like, I don't, I don't even know how to approach you, Lord, with this. Do you know that God's word says this in Romans 8? That the spirit intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. So as Niles just preached to us, availability, not ability, man, just bow tonight. That thing that you're overwhelmed with and say, Lord, I don't know what to pray for, but I bow and I seek you and, and Holy Spirit, I ask for you to now intercede for me with groans too deep for words. <laughs> Isn't that powerful? You see, we see the resource of his deliverance. Number three, we see the reaction to his deliverance. The reaction to his deliverance. Once again, in verse 19 and verse 20, it says, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. And then I love this. Check out his reaction. He says, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. There's something amazing about this. You see, when you experience the deliverance of Jesus, when you're impacted by the deliverance of Jesus, you will be changed and impacted by Jesus, and then you will be given, to whom much is given, much is required, a responsibility to testify to the world of all that Jesus Christ has done for you. For all that he's done for you. I love that Paul's reaction to this deliverance wasn't, I got mine, so I'm gonna go and take it and enjoy it for myself. 
No, there was a responsibility to this. Lord, you clearly have delivered me for a purpose. And that purpose wasn't just for me. It was for you and for your kingdom. Look at some of the things that we can pull out of this text here, considering the reaction that Paul had. Number one, confidence. (laughs) Once again, in verse 19, what does Paul say here? He doesn't say, hey, through your prayers and through the help of the Spirit, I have no clue how this is going to go. No, what does he say? This will turn out. What confidence. Those of you who are here on Thursday, can y'all understand why just spending one hour with my dad through that teaching, his preaching ministry, he pastored the same church for 30 years, just retired. He was Dr. Billy Graham's pastor. You know what his preaching ministry was called? The Encouraging Word. The encouraging word. I'm so thankful to have a dad in my corner that's just given me confidence. Y'all gotta be, I'm just telling you, there were some rough basketball games, football games growing up and dad knew how to fire me up. There's also been some rough moments in ministry in my life and one phone call with dad and I'm ready to run through a wall. I'm ready to charge hell with a water pistol. I think one of the reasons why God gave him the blessing of pastoring Dr. Billy Graham for so many years, I've shared this with you, is God gave one of the world's greatest evangelists, one of the world's greatest encouragers to finish his race. Paul here has confidence in Jesus. And I can tell you this about my dad. One of the reasons why I have utmost confidence at times is because hardly anything ever comes out of his mouth that isn't Jesus. I love this. Secondly, there's excitement. Look as Paul, the reaction, okay, I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. And then what is the word used there? He says there is eager expectation and hope. Like a giddy little kid at Christmas about to open up a gift. There's just like, whoo, you know? I mean, if there's confidence now, even in prison, even in struggle, I know that this will turn out. You know, I've got this foundation strong on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Now I'm kind of getting on my tippy toes because I know there's something around the corner. I don't just have an expectation of the promises of the deliverance of God. I have an eager expectation When was the last time you had real excitement about what God's about to do? You see, we're learning from Paul here with his deliverance. How about this now? He wasn't just excited, excitement, boldness. Boldness. It talks right there in the text to have full courage. All right, you don't have to raise your hand right now. Um, how many of y'all would say it's getting harder and harder to stand up for the things of God today? It is. I want to assure you, as Paul was assured of in this text, as he says, he goes, listen, I have an eager expectation and hope. I'm excited. And he goes, that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage now as always. There is a boldness. One of the things that God does for us is he gives us the ability that we don't have to do the things that he's called us to do. As Paul reacted to this deliverance, 
he began to rise up in a boldness, in a courage, and that it brought about, number four, a resolve. That no matter what he faced, shipwrecks, palaces, full hungry, trials triumph, I'm going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there was this resolve because what does he say there? I'm going to have an eager expectation and hope and I'm going to not be ashamed and have full courage. When? As always, Christ will be honored in my body. Check this. Whether by life or death. There's a resolve. Look at me in this season of our world. Don't wait till the battle for resolve. Determine before you go to work tomorrow, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Paul understood that his deliverance was with the purpose of his proclamation. All right, let's continue on. How about this? The reality of his deliverance. Because Paul's just said, in life or in death. Okay, so Rob, let's break that down. Well, Paul actually breaks that down. He begins to unpack what it's meaning, right? When it says, hey, I'm going to deliver you. The Lord's gonna deliver you in life or in death. Well, Paul starts to reflect on this. Look in verse 21, the reality of his deliverance. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And he starts to compare and contrast this. Okay, if I'm gonna live, here's how I'm gonna proclaim Jesus. If I'm gonna die, this is how I'm gonna proclaim Jesus and Christ is going to be glorified in and through my life. It says this, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet, which shall I choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you have, may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. So there's two things that Paul talks about here. First of all, the deliverance in life. If God gives you life, y'all know that when you woke up this morning, that wasn't your right, that was a gift. <laughs> For not one of us is worthy or promised another day. And so God, if you have me on this earth, if you have me in this moment, if you have me at this job, if you have me in this season, what are the things that you have in store for me? Well, in life, what do we get? Jesus, <laughs> that's awesome. Paul talks about, for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Fruitful labor, look at it in the text. This means fruitful labor for me. Uh, we get to remain with the church. Aren't y'all thankful for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Hey, so if I'm gonna ride, we might as well have a joy ride together, right? Man, we need each other. Thank you, Lord, for your provision of the people of God. What do we know about in life? 
the advancement of the gospel. That's what Paul starts to say. He goes, listen, the gates of hell will not prevail against Christ and his church. And so if God does leave me here, I might be in chains, but the gospel will never be in chains. The gospel is going to continue to advance. Can you see kind of like he's whiteboarded this and he's like, oh, should I die or should I live? Oh man, living's pretty cool. Like all these different things. The advance with, how about this joy in the faith? Joy as we're talking about is not smiling superficial, although it helps for us to smile and put lines on our foreheads, which drives my wife nuts because I'm starting to get a wrinkly smile, right? No, we want those things. Joy is heart, soul. It's the peace that passes understanding. It's a soul smile, right? But we can have joy in the faith. And then ultimately, our life, purpose, deliverance to live on this earth is to give glory to God. All right, so, okay, I see that. Paul's like, okay, if I'm, if I'm alive and I get to be a part of that, sign me up, God. But then he contrasts, he's like, death. If it's God's plan for me to die. What does he talk about? I get Jesus Christ. <laughs> I hate to tell you, but a lot of your loved ones, if they knew and loved Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, with all due respect, I'm not sure they want to come back. They're with the ultimate. They're with Jesus. That's hard for us to figure out, but it's true. What else do we get? Gain? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Oh, we get to depart from this world and it's okay for you to want to depart from this world, especially from January to April in Pittsburgh. Um, this world's broken. There's gonna be a day where there's no more tears, no more pain. But it's okay to want relief from this world. This world's hard, isn't it? It's broken. But then ultimately in death, we get to be with Christ forever in glory. Do you see what Paul's doing here? <laughs> he understands that in life or in death, this deliverance is all for him. To him be glory. What I want us to know as we close this out, the responsibility with his deliverance. You see, as Paul reflects about this deliverance, and he considers, hey, I might be free of chains. And what did we learn about Paul? He got free of chains. And he spent about, you know, five, six more years kind of writing letters. Remember, First and Second Timothy, Titus? He got to go and visit some other places at the end of his journey until ultimately he was beheaded. What he begins to think about is this. Okay, as I'm writing this letter, man, if the Spirit of God and through the prayers of the saints, I'm delivered, man, I have a responsibility in this deliverance. And it ain't just for me to retire and move down to Florida and enjoy myself. No, I have a responsibility in this. What is it? Look in verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. 
so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. In engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. And so there's four important things that Paul shares with us in regards to the responsibility. If you would testify right now and say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, may I share this with you? You can proclaim that he delivers. And if he's truly delivered you, here's the responsibility. You ready? First of all, stand. Stand firm. Your house is now established on the rock. And the things of this world are on sand. God has given you the ability to do what? To stand firm. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, Paul says. So whether I come or whether I don't, I may hear that you are standing firm. Aren't y'all thankful for Ephesians 6? Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. We're not called to just be strong. We're not called to just stand. No, we're called to stand firm in the Lord. That's your responsibility. So how are you doing that? Simple way. This is a big deal. So as you wake up each morning and go to work, is your foundation the news? Is your foundation all the likes you got on Facebook because you posted something brilliant that saved the world the night before? Is your foundation looking at the financial reality in the world today? Your insurance plan, it's the word of God. For God's word will not return void. Don't y'all love that picture Niles gave us? For days, he couldn't let go of his Bible. That's how we stand. Number two, unite. It says, stand firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side. <laughs> we need each other, don't we? I, I, need, I need brothers and sisters alongside me to get this. Step in when I lack. But can I just be real? I need brothers side by side, united with me around the gospel because there ain't no way we're uniting around our favorite football teams in this church. All you Steelers fans, repent, right? We ain't uniting around style of worship. We're not uniting around any, we're uniting around Jesus and the gospel. And I need you side by side because guess what? Sometimes I get hit in the gut. Sometimes you get hit in the gut and I need a shoulder to cry on. There's something so powerful about a church or a people of God when they're united. 
So have you ever wondered why the enemy loves to divide us? Um, the responsibility we have is to unite in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side. And as we stand side by side, we're not just sitting in holy huddles singing kumbaya to Jesus and saying how awesome this is. The purpose of our unity, I've shared this illustration before, how crazy would it be if we watched football today and your favorite NFL team, the only thing they ever did was huddle. No commentary. Oh, that's a, that's a brilliant huddle right there. Man, look at how they call plays. Man, look at how they're all looking at each other. How dumb would that football game be? Would you turn that off? I would. Why do you huddle? To play the game. To receive the play and to go knock out something. We as Christians, I'm sorry, there's a lot of churches, they're just a bunch of holy huddles. They love coming together and talking about plays. But they don't actually run a play. We're called to not just stand, not just unite, but contend. Contend. We're called, as we are together, to contend for the faith of the gospel and to not be frightened as we do it. I know the enemy's sending blind, bl blitz linebackers to take our heads off but we can have no fear for our God is with us. Who can be against us? And as we contend, I've got to tell you something. Yes, we're reminded of Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. We're called lastly to engage as the band comes up and as we close this out. I wish I could end this sermon by telling you, he delivers and you're never gonna have hardships again. He delivers and everyone's gonna celebrate you. Aaron, he delivers, you've just testified unto the Lord through baptism and every person you're gonna come across this week, if they see you on social media, is just gonna be like, Aaron, you're so awesome. Man, you're so fantastic, you're so fabulous. I want you to know, Paul's a realist here and he prepares us here. For the moment you get in the game, you put on the helmet and the pads, the enemy's coming and he's gonna bring haters. He's gonna bring discouragement. He's gonna bring all these different things. What does Paul talk about at the end? He says, listen, he says, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also what? Suffer for his sake. On this side of heaven, suffering's inevitable because this world rejects Jesus. So Paul encourages us to keep engaging in the same conflict, to keep suffering all for the sake of the gospel. For Paul would declare, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. What would you be willing to do for Jesus and for the world, in order that the world would know Jesus. I love this closing verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 through 8. Look on the screen behind me. Paul would say this, because some of you are like, Pastor Rob, that's pretty depressing. Shouldn't you have guaranteed us with a sermon like he delivers that I'm never going to have any pain again? 
never gonna have any suffering again. I hate to tell y'all, preachers that are preaching that to y'all right now, they ain't on our team. They're reading a different Bible. And we got some in this neighborhood that are preaching that. We can be of good courage. Paul says, in our suffering, in our struggle, as we're serving him, look at that. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. Don't y'all love that he puts that in there twice? Anybody needed a reminder to have courage here? Like, I love that. So we are always of good courage. Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body than at home with the Lord. Listen, the tension's real. But Paul would declare to us that he delivers. For to me, to live is Christ. To die is gain. I'm going to ask for those.